Hey guys, this is Kyle Klammer. This is Zach Welch. And this is the Good Life Bow Hunter, official podcast of the NBA. We're back again. We got a crew on this evening. Guys, go ahead and introduce yourself while we're just let's just make the rounds. Orby, you want to start it? Uh yeah, Oren Seidel. Been on here a couple times. Glad to be back on. And uh, we'll see how it goes here. Good. Jake? Uh, Jake Renyan, been on a few times back when uh, Oren and I were the chairman of uh, the Summer Jamboree. It's been a while since I've been on. Oh, glad to have you. Glad to have you. And then I think Eric commuted his, but got Eric Albright on. Oh. Anything. Anyways, um, yeah, so well, good to have you guys on. We, uh, I think we were uh, supposed to have a guest tonight, but that's okay. Um, we'll just chat away and see where it goes here. Didn't really have anything super kind of majorly planned out, but I did want to uh, did want to hit on a couple things NBA related, um, and I don't know if Eric can hit on those right now or if he's ready. I'm not sure. Anyways, Zach, you want to just talk about quick the when the jamboree is and or not jamboree banquet. banquet. Yeah. And then- yeah. So banquets March fourth through the sixth. I believe that's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The banquet will be on the fifth at the Unis Center this year in Kearney. So changing things up a bit. Um, won't be at the Ramada anymore. So um, looking forward to it. I think that'll be an awesome time. And I believe um, the speaker. Have they? Have you guys got your new newsletter yet? Yeah, I did. Okay, yep. it, is that in there? Yep, Tom Nelson. Yeah, Tom Nelson. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't have my newsletter with me, so I didn't know if they put that out or not. I figured they probably did. They didn't. So send anyways, it to Arizona, Zach. What? They didn't send it to you in Arizona. No, unfortunately not. Somebody needs to get a hold of that newsletter editor there. That's right. It's just uncalled for. Absolutely ridiculous. No. Can you hear me all right now, Kyle? Yep, we got you, Eric. Yep. All right. Sorry about that. No worries. Um, Hey, do you want to talk about the last meeting, Eric, and just everything that was going on there? If you can. Okay, well, we met last Saturday, the uh, 20, I can't remember, 22nd there at at, uh, the Eunice Center. The NBA met. Um, we discussed the banquet a lot. Uh, I heard you guys when I got back on here talking about it, of when it'll be, who the speaker will be. Um, it looks like it's going to be a fun slate uh, once again. It'll be a social hour, things like that. And then, uh, and then of course the banquet Saturday with the trade show and everything all day. So, uh, yeah, but then we talked a lot about, uh, just things now, um, a lot of discussion about deer numbers and possible, uh, solution there. Just trying to, I know the harvest numbers were down. I know Zach, but, uh, anyway, a lot of discussion about that getting prepped for the band overall it was a good meeting so cool 
great. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're. I'm looking forward to the banquet. I don't know if anybody else is, but uh, <laughs> always seems like a great time, obviously. But should be fun again this year. Nice, nice to have a new venue. It's going to be weird not having it at the Ramada, though, but I don't know. Just, I guess, probably, t- probably time for a change, I suppose. But I don't know. It is what it is. It'll be good. Um, yeah, I guess with that, any other NBA stuff or anything else we need to hit on? Do you know of Zach or Eric or anybody? Not that I, I guess I will. I guess I will throw out it's, uh, everything for the, for the banquet is in the newsletter that should be coming out or will be out by the time this is out. But, uh, uh, the slideshow will take place again, uh, the success show. So, if anybody has anything they want to share for that, send it to NebraskaBowHunters at gmail.com. Uh, give a short description of what you want in there. And then, of course, uh, Steve Wodachewski is looking for uh, or, you know, records that would be put in for whitetail, turkey, anything like that, and first big game awards. The deadline, I believe, is February 15th to have those in as well. So... Uh, all that, like I said, is in the newsletter. We'll probably put a lot of it up online here on Facebook or Instagram or wherever. So just something to keep in mind as we get closer to the banquet. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's good. Uh, thanks for putting in the plug for that, Eric. That slideshow is always great. And uh, that's, yeah, actually probably one of my favorite things every year is watching the slideshow. So Everybody get to listen to me for an hour straight. So, oh man, your deep voice, the just, yeah, it's great. So, no. <laughs> hey, hey, not to interrupt on that. Yeah. Maybe I missed this, but were were you looking for somebody to take over that slideshow, Eric? <laughs> yeah. Are you uh, volunteering, Orby? That's the opposite of what I'm doing. But if there's anybody out there that's looking to help out, volunteer do their part we're looking for help yeah always yep. yeah me and amber are going to do it again this year but uh yeah i if, if anybody would be interested out there and in taking it over we would be more than happy to to help um for the first time getting going whatever we could do to help it along but uh yeah for now it's we're good for this year so We'll go with that. Okay. Sweet. Yeah, no, thanks. Appreciate that, Eric. Um, <clears throat> well, with that, uh, yeah, let's uh, jump right into a couple things here. One thing I did want to talk about for sure, um, we are, um, I think, uh, among one of the few people to ever shoot an elk with a bow in the state of Nebraska. I mean, there's been several, I know, but um, probably not 100, I don't think. Maybe not even 50. But um, but Jake drew a tag this year. Um, Jake, you want to just tell us about that experience and kind of everything that went into that? And, I mean, yeah, I don't know. You share whatever details you want and talk as long as you want. and. I uh, I just think people would like to hear about that, so take it away, my friend. All righty. Yeah, that's uh, 
one of those things you you wait you wait years for you think it's never going to happen and then it does and I, as soon as I realized I had a bull tag, it just instantly anxious, worried two months prior to season showing up. So that was started off pretty shaky just with that. Um, as you were talking about, you know, a few number of people shooting elk in the state with a bow. I, I would assume probably you're right. Less than a hundred. I don't know that for fact, but Harlan Welch was one of the other ones in the, the unit I had. And him and I were talking after season was over, and probably a fair chance those are two of the first elk shot with a bow in Brown County in the last 200 years. Yeah. So that's, I mean, it was by no means a monster. Harlan's was absolute stud. Mine just barely missed Pope, but hey, it's a Nebraska bull elk with a bow. I'm not going to complain with that. So started off, hey, you know, every year you're checking your emails, just hoping and praying you get it and then you get that email that doesn't quite look the same as all the years prior rather than saying you're you know unfortunate you didn't draw it's a status pending email so you get online and you check and you can't tell and you call 35 people I was all excited at first and that kind of got deflated pretty quick because every person I called told me they saw the same exact thing on their email except for me <laughs> Except for three of the five people on here right now. Well, it turns out bumping up the the elk tags this year, a lot more people around the area drew. So, you know, you're in a Nybrary East unit. There's a handful of elk there. You know where the majority of them are at, so it shouldn't be hard to find them. But when you're trying to score some ground with ten of the people, you know there's you got to tread lightly and somebody else has permission. You stay out of there, let them shoot theirs first, so on and so forth. But it, it worked out. So living in Atkinson, you know, driving back and forth to Ainsworth, it was not the easiest scouting. So Harlan Welch definitely saved me a lot of time. He'd go out and scout for me on places I had permission and watch. A lot of the same ground at once. He had filled his tag. I planned to poke around on there too. So we, I had a pretty good lay of the land. Um, hunted really hard the first couple of weeks and just had some good encounters. I think the third day of season up on the Niobrara River, my dad and I went out and stumbled into a probably 340, 350 inch bull. Just could not get him across the neighbor's fence. Worked on him, worked on him. We finally got to it. I don't know if he forgot the fence was there or what, but walked straight into it. He was finally coming in, but walked into the fence and it scared him. Turned around and bolted 100 yards, and we had a bugle contest back and forth for about 40 minutes, and he finally meandered off. So that kind of got me in the right mood. Feeling pretty good about the tag. But never, never any success there. Ended up <clears throat> um, kind of finding the pattern of a lot of the elk. So everybody thinks of elk hunting. You you think of mountains. They go bed in the timber. They come out in the meadows early in the morning, late afternoon, work their way back to the timber. But obviously, we don't have much of that in sand hills. So their pattern is they're living in cornfields. They come out of the cornfield and they feed in neighboring bean fields and then work their way back into bed cornfields. So anytime we'd find that similar setup, 
you go look around, sure enough, there's elk tracks, scout it, scout it, finally start finding some. Found a section that had two cornfields on the south, two bean fields on the north, had probably eight head on there. I think there was five bull and three cows. And <clears throat> first morning we went there, the uh, wind was not ideal. Tried to play it the best we could. We got got busted by it. They stomped down half the bean field and tore off out of there. So that, that did pan out, but eventually got back in there. <clears throat> uh, one morning, showed up a little late because I'd been scouting another bean field and parked down by a sump, just out in the open. No particular reason I was parking there. I planned hunting north of there over the hill about a half mile. Made it about 50 yards from the truck, and I look up, and there's two bulls standing on the edge of this cornfield, probably 300 yards straight north of me. So get down, doing a little bit of calling. I popped up, uh, uh, I believe that was a Montana decoy you lent me, Kyle. Yeah, yeah, the one that was sent to me by mistake. Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that mistake panned out really well. Yeah. <laughs> so popped that up and uh, bugled a few times, finally got their attention, but they weren't working down towards me. They were heading towards the pivot point to go bed. So busted up there, running through the cornfield. One got in there, finally got ahead of the second one, and finally got him turned coming to me sitting one row inside the cornfield he was 12 15 yards away working his way down to me full draw just waiting for that last couple of steps and once again wind swirled he busted out of there ran out of the field and this is where i could tell i'm not good at judging distance with an elk and just airmailed one right over his back just that i'm not even close to him sailed it right over in hindsight, Nebraska elk are not very spooky, so I probably should have just let down and ranged him and shot, but maybe in 100 years when I draw another tag, I'll get the chance again. So he went over a hill, sprinted up the hill, got to 80, was kind of ducking through some little gullies there and got within 80 yards and shot. Grass was pretty tall, so I couldn't see the shot that well, but I heard it hit him. He whirled, took off, and Went and got some buddies and we waited two, three hours and went back in and found his tracks, followed for quite a while, found some blood. Problem with the blood is it was shoulder height on the corn. And I think we found about five specks, but the short version of that is shot him way too high, probably through the back strap, I'm guessing. Hardly any blood, trailed him all the way through the corn, mile away. He was booking it and not hurt. So that pretty well deflated my ego right there. Hey, hey not to interrupt your story, Jake, how, how close was he on that first shot? Uh, well, the first shot that I wanted was 15 yards. The second shot, well, it wasn't. But yeah, but the, the, the first, first time shot, I shot. Yeah, that one. He was about 40. 40. Yeah. So how, how much room is there? Like, how big is – I've never killed an elk. I don't know. Like, how big are their vitals? Not exactly small. So so you missed it by quite a bit. Oh, yeah. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to guess my 60, 
probably was somewhere high on him. Okay, I it, just it wasn't even close. I just want to make sure I was following the story correctly. That was a nice clarification, everything. <laughs> you, you know, if it was a uh, real cold weather and I had my heavy coat on, I could blame it on the sleeve, but I didn't have that coat on. It, it would have just been one more animal I missed because of that coat, but didn't have it on. No, I was I was uh, not in the right state of mind to make that shot by any means. I it was all I could do to get up off my knees and chase after that elk. I was shaking pretty bad and that that was just gut-wrenching i think by the time we started looking for him it was nine or nine thirty and i finally hung up my hat at i think three thirty that afternoon and yeah i was pretty drained let down so i was a little worried i'd ruined the area because I, I walked through the entire field tracking them in in and out of rows and all the way through it across the county road but lo and behold the next week, I decided I was going to try this again and go at it a little bit better. So I recruited Aaron Miller to call for me. So we set up around that same pond that morning. He called in a cow first thing. She meandered around the left. Just over the hill, we could hear a couple bulls bugling. So we worked our way over there. And <clears throat> on the neighbor's ground out in the bean field, there was four bulls out there. The, the big herd bull, he, uh, neighbor shot him i think he was 330 340 somewhere in there but he worked off north into a different cornfield disappeared into that the three smaller bulls turned and were coming back towards us and a little bit breezy that day so they had a hard time hearing the call and i i don't know if aaron was bugling or if he was trying to sound like a tomcat getting its tail nailed to a tree but he was letting out some some quite loud sounds, and that got his attention in a hurry. So then he started schmoozing him over, and he he was working the east and west fence line, and we were set up on the north-south fence line, a little plum thicket. Once we realized he was coming, he ducked back behind me in a separate plum bush about, no, 40, 50 yards behind me. And that bull just would not cross that fence. He paced up and down and up and down, disappeared and do a little dip and I couldn't see him so I was figuring he was going to work past me come out to my left so I got resituated in the middle of a plum bush which was less than easy getting hung up on everything possible facing to my left about 20 seconds later he pops out 80 yards to my right so I got resituated again and he's he's coming in hot and heavy he's he's ready for some action and he comes in and he stops right at a clump of grass. I'd already arranged 20 yards, but he was just slightly, what I thought was just slightly quartering to. I didn't really like the shot. I kept waiting, turned a little bit, but not enough. And I had enough time to sit there and watch him. I thought, well, where I'm aiming, I think this is good. I can try this or I can wait, but I, I already had bad luck with the wind twice. So. Let her rip, he spun around and the arrow dropped right where he was standing and he ran to the cornfield. So Aaron bugled again and got him stopped, perfect broadside, 35 yard shot. And he waited for me to shoot, waited for me to shoot, finally ducked into the corn. Well, he came over about five minutes later and he asked why I didn't shoot the second time. That's because I was face down in the dirt 
rolling around shaking, trying to catch my breath after the shot. So that that wasn't going to happen by any means. <laughs> yeah, I was I was a little bit nerved up to say the least. But uh, we waited, made a few phone calls, and he was trying to calm me down a little bit. And as we were sitting there talking, I thought I could hear some gurgling in the corn. And, you know, it's, you think you're hearing something and then you think it's in your mind. You're not really sure. And he was on the phone, so he couldn't hear it. Well, we waited a good half hour and went in there and found good blood right away. And he'd only made it, I think, 13 rows into the corn, not even 80 yards. It's piled up in there. Then uh, that's when the real fun begins. You've got a 700-pound elk laying in a cornfield. Then you have to figure out what to do with it. So that was just a real hoot. That's when I realized I like the uh, pack job of a Nebraska elk much better than Idaho or Colorado. Went and got a skid steer and loaded them up, took them out that way. But, you know, walking up on the one and only bull elk I'll probably ever get to kill in Nebraska was one of the most amazing feelings on earth. I mean, it's by no means the biggest one killed in the state, in the country, anything, it's nothing huge, but that's, that's a memory I'm never going to forget that was outstanding. But what also comes with that, Eric and I were talking earlier about this is the, the, such a wave of emotion that comes with success and let down. When I lost that first elk, it was, oh, it was horrible. I went home and just pouted for days after that. I mean, you, you feel like you're there, and I had him so close, 15 yards, and it just didn't work, didn't work, didn't work again. And, uh, it was, I mean, I've, I've missed plenty of deer, and I've hit deer and never found him, and that was not even a fraction of how it felt that day when I lost him. So that was tough, and it, it puts you in some interesting places on the, one of the places we were hunting, there was a, a pretty young, probably yearling bull elk. He had one antler broke off at the base, and on the other side, it was just a little tiny, scraggly three-point that was about 18 inches long, so we nicknamed him Elliot. And after I'd missed that one, Harlan had warned Aaron, if we called Elliot in, he was supposed to chase him away because I was probably going to end up shooting him. I was just that downtrodden at that point. Yeah. So it's... uh. You know, Nebraska elk hunting is a very, very different style. I've, I've hunted elk in uh, Wyoming, Idaho, and Colorado, and it's far different from all those places. But, you know, there's still some pretty same key, key elements there. And the, the big one was calling. That first day with that big bull, if I had known what I learned from Aaron, I, I think we probably could have gotten him called in. We weren't staggered far enough my dad needed to be further behind me calling i think we could have drawn him in but if uh if you ever get the chance you get that tag make sure you find somebody that knows elk hunting and can call i'll, I'll tell you what aaron miller is outstanding he can do he calls great and the tracking the knowledge of elk was awesome i, I never realized you could look at an elk track and tell if it was a bull or a cow just from looking at the inset of the tracks so there's there's a ton of knowledge you need you don't necessarily need it prior to i mean i almost had one stumble into my lap by myself so but it helps a I lot got a i got a question on that jake yeah so 
you talked about when you walked up to that thing, how it was kind of a surreal feeling. Um, so an unnamed source had told me that Miller had had that thing on a lead rope for you. So <laughs> when you walked up to it, had he already removed that lead rope or was that part of the field dressing process? <laughs> well, it was actually part of the field dressing because it got wrapped up in corn stalks. And uh, he did let me know it was size changeable because it's the same lead rope that he used on your deer you killed this year. So <laughs> it apparently works for deer too. Hey, Jake. You, you were bragging up Aaron's calling, but I just wanted to clarify earlier you told me you told us that you weren't sure if he was calling elk or nailing a tomcat's tail to a tree. So is that something he learned at calling school or is that is that a testament to his calling or what? I, I think that's like the bleat to uh, stop I'll here wait when you want to shoot. Answer. <laughs> yeah it, instead of uh stopping a deer with a bleat you uh squeal at a bull elk to stop him and get his attention i think what it sound like can you can you demonstrate uh i or did it really well the other day hold on i got it here somewhere <laughs> there it was <laughs> Gets them every time. Okay. You ready? Let's hear it. <laughs> That's when you're hunting that mallard elk. Don't be spraying head elk. Secret call to all your elk buddies, okay? That's a secret. <laughs> anyway, Kyle, you probably better get this thing back on the tracks before it completely derails. <laughs> oh, no, that's good, man. I like it. <laughs> oh, man. So where do you guys keep this lead rope at? I was just wondering. I think it's at Eric's house now. He's due for using it. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, yeah, I might need to borrow that sometime. But It's been hanging up by my bow, and I'm just waiting for somebody to hook it on a deer or something. But yeah, no one yeah. has. If you can get that on an antelope, let me know. I might come find you sometime. So, <clears throat> but uh, yeah. So, do they fit on hogs, Eric? No, no, they don't. <laughs> that, was, that was a very, very definitive answer there. Was, okay. <laughs> I did. I did hear that Eric's starting to run on. No, I I heard he's got like a 600-pound sow that he's wanting to lead somebody to. So if you know anybody looking to shoot a pig. <laughs> Tell you what, for the right price, you could put a broadhead right through her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, could, I could even call her in for you, or I could see if Miller would come and call her for you. He may be able to do it. <laughs> Oh man! Tell you what I like about them Nebraska hog pack jobs, though, is that we just get a skid steer and a log chain, drag them right out. It's not like them Idaho hogs. 
And those are real things. I've seen an Idaho hog in the mountains before. I, I was just going to say, they, they do exist. I, I was present for that one. Jake, this isn't the podcast to talk about any hogs you saw in Idaho. <laughs> does any – does Kyle – I'm sure Eric does. Does uh, Kyle and Zach know that story, Jake? You know about that, about the mountain pig up in Idaho? No. no you better I've tell ne- Never I'll, heard it. I'll tell it so Runyon doesn't forget. And once he tells it wrong, I'll correct the story. <laughs> so, so we're up in Idaho, me, him, and Aaron Jor chasing elk around. And we were all pretty green. None of us really knew what we were doing. And we, we'd packed in there a ways, and we'd been there for a couple of days. And we make our way back to the back side of this ridge, and we're kind of across, we're, we're glassing across this valley. We're blasting that slope across there, and Runyon goes, there's a pig over there. And I'm like, what? He's like, there's a pig. And we're up at, at that point, I'm pretty sure we were, we were like right at 9,000 feet. I'm like, dude, it can't be. He's like, it's right there. So I get my glasses up and look, it's a black Angus cow. He was convinced that there was a mountain pig up there, which I was kind of hoping there was because we were hungry by that point. But we let her walk. <laughs> so I, I would I would correct that story, but most of that was true, unfortunately. <laughs> the uh, what day was this in the mountains? It oh, was geez, only like day two 15, or three. 16? Fifteen or six. <laughs> By the end of it, did Orby pat you on the I, back? And I think that was our. <laughs> yeah, we we learned a lot that trip. I, I think that was our our first morning of sitting there glassing. We had uh, there there actually was some elk up there we didn't get on, so we. We were uh, just kind of killing some time glassing. And from where I was sitting, this cow was standing clear across this valley. And she must have been standing in some grass or something because it looked like little tiny stubby legs. And I could only see part of its body. And I was just convinced that was a pig standing up there. There wasn't a tree within 100 yards of us. You guys there was at least ten foot tall grass. Johnson, right? What's that? You cut out, Eric. You, you guys have all watched Jeremiah Johnson. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. You know, you know the part on there where he says, "I can't understand why the." People be down there eating hog when they could be up here feeding on elk. Well, I was hoping to be up there feeding on hog. I feel like that's completely opposite for Jake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that's good stuff. Good. This is what you get for bringing us on here, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs>
No, that's good, man. That's what that's what I brought you on for. You got to know that. what you're gonna get. Yeah. <laughs> if you had a plan for topics of discussion, we're gonna shoot that down pretty quick. That's perfect. Um, I was gonna say something though when you were when you were talking, Jake, because you know I and and Zach and I we God we talked about this a lot. I feel like, but you know it just seems like uh, I'm gonna pull a 180 on us here, but. Um, you know, when you, when you bow hunt and, you know, things go wrong, of course, that's just part of it. And, um, it's always just seems like, I don't know that there's anything else in, I don't know, I'll say that with a grain of salt, but I don't know if there's anything else in life that you can have the highest of highs and lowest of lows in a span of about 30 seconds sometimes it seems like, and um bow hunting just seems to do that to a guy but i don't know man i'm i'm just i'm happy for you that was a pretty cool pretty cool thing i remember all the texts and calls and whatnot and, and then the other calls where you were wanting to go jump off a bridge or something and <laughs> i was just glad oh. I it out but no that was good man that's uh not to make light of jumping off a bridge by the way that's not yeah I, a joke about I, I should mention that uh Kyle, Kyle saved me from a downward spiral after I had shot that elk, that first one. I, I knew I hit him, and I wanted so bad to run into that cornfield and go look right away. And I, I remember you saying, oh, come on, you know better. Use common sense here. Just walk away. Go do something. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Go somewhere else. Run to town real quick. Just get away from it for a minute. Yeah. I all all joking aside, I do got to give you credit for that one, Jake, owning up to that and keeping that a part of the story. Absolutely. That, that is a part of bow hunting, and it does happen to everybody, and everybody that's bow hunted knows that, and that, you know, does get left out sometimes. Yep. Because if it hasn't happened to you, you haven't been bow hunting long enough. Yeah, I, I got to find that out a lot this year. I and honestly, I I've made Jake, bad stop, shots. Stop all your head. We'll just leave it right there. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I I've made bad shots in the past and I luckily have been able to recover everything. And this year completely changed. That elk, yeah, I'm sure that elk was fine from where that blood was on the corn. And then later this year I shot a stud deer. And I, I looked for five days and I bumped him, I think 20, 20 some hours later when he should have been done for. And I bumped him and never found him. So this year was double bad for that. So I, I have the utmost respect for people who can go through that and keep hunting year after year that this was a tough year, but had I not gotten elk, it's, it would have been real easy to hang the bow up and quit. That was tough. Yeah, man, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys listened to the last episode, but <laughs> that uh, I totally get it, man. Make a terrible shot and just think, like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? Like, and then, uh, yeah, sometimes, sometimes, as my uh, coworker says at the hospital, sometimes, uh, sometimes you get the bear and sometimes the bear gets you. So, just, right. but, but, uh Yeah. But, uh, um, Orby, it's your turn. 
tell us about your year, buddy. How's the, how's the fall? And tell us about your projects and yeah. just give us a rundown. Actually, I don't, right. really, I don't care about your fall. Tell me about these pro. No, I'm just kidding. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. So, so my fall was pretty good. Um, I I didn't make it out quite as much as I wanted to. Having a one year old and a four year old, you know, uh, that hinders that a little bit. Um, I did get my my four year old boy Parker. I did get him out deer hunting for the first time this year with me in the blind that was that was pretty cool honestly that was probably my favorite hunt this year um we did not kill one but we come close man we come close uh we had a we had a doe come in and i had a doe tag and i i was ready to let her rip and i had her right there i mean she was 10 yards in front of the blind well he's still so short he can't even see out the windows without standing up you know so she's standing out there i'm like parker i'm like i'm like she's right there can you see her he's like no so i get him up off his chair and stand him up and he looks out there i'm like right there see her and he i I got it all on video it's pretty funny but he looks out there and he sees her and he just sticks his hand up there and waves, <laughs> waving at the deer. <laughs> and how she didn't see him is beyond me. Because where we were set out, the sun was kind of beating in there. You know, he was pretty lit up. But she never did see him. Um, and, I mean, I, I was, you know, I had tension on the string. I was ready to go. But she was kind of feeding to us. So I was waiting for her to turn. Well, when she finally did turn, she did a complete 180 and just, in one motion she just turned straight away and just fed off you know so i never did i never did get a shot opportunity but even then it was it was pretty cool finally getting him out um i'm ready for turkey season to try to get him out some more this spring but um yeah other than that i i did end up getting a couple deer um opening week of season i hunted some public ground and ended up shooting uh, a decent little buck out of my saddle it was somewhere I'd never been it was uh you know kind of a hang well it wasn't kind of I mean it was a walk in and hang and hunt set in that first set ended up shooting a, a decent little buck with my that was with my widow and he only went about 30 yards got him cleaned up and packed out of there but probably the 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 coolest one I had this year was actually just a doe I shot but that doe that I shot was with one of my self bows um that I'd made one of my Osage self bows and that was uh I was hunting off the ground uh no blind no nothing just tucked up by a tree and so it was a morning hunt and I knew where these deer we're out feeding and I kind of knew a couple places that they crossed this creek coming back to bed and that's that's where I'd set up at trying to intercept these deer coming back to bed and it was just probably it was a while 45 minutes maybe an hour after shooting light I was I was tucked in some pretty tall frag mighty and anybody that's hunted around that stuff 
nose, you get tucked in that and you can't see nothing. I mean, that stuff's eight, 10 foot tall and you, your visibility is zero. <laughs> so I just kind of had a couple little shooting lanes stomped down and I was tucked back in this stuff. But I was only about 10 yards off this creek. Well, they had to cross this creek before getting to me. Well, I heard, I heard her crossing the creek, so I knew there was one coming. And I get, I get ready to go, and I kind of just catch the little bit of movement coming through that fragmite, and I pull back, and she steps right out there. I mean, it was like, like eight yards, and smoked her. I mean, I seen that arrow hit, and it was actually perfect. And she just, I seen that, I seen it sink clear through. And she just blew out of there, and I heard her pile up. And that was one of the coolest hunts that I've had in a long, long time. Even even though it was just a doe, that was that was something I was wanting to cross off my bucket list. So I, I knew she was down because I, I seen it hit. I seen her run off. I mean, I seen the blood. You know, I heard her heard her pile up. I knew she was down. Well, I still had you know, another tag in my pocket. So I kind of, I, I mean, she was the first deer that came by. So I'm like, I know there's more coming. So I kind of sat there for a minute, calmed down. Well, then I kind of climbed up. There's a mulberry tree kind of right behind me. I kind of shimmied up that mulberry to glass out in this field. And sure enough, there was still a deer out there that had yet to come. I'm like, man, I'm just going to hang out. So I'm hanging out and pretty soon I see this little buck um this little two and a half year old working right to me i'm like man i'm just gonna hang out right here and sure enough he played the exact same script that doe did i heard him cross the creek i got pressure on the string i'm hooked ready to go he gets to right where he's ready to step in my shooting lane and i pull back and he takes like one more step. So like his head is in my, in my lane. And my lane's narrow. I mean, it's only like, I got like just a few feet where I can shoot. And he's, he's pokes his head in there and he just stops. And it wasn't for, I mean, he had no idea I was there. He was just, I mean, he's just a deer. He just decided to stop. Stopped and he was kind of sniffing around. And I'm like, man, I can't hold this thing back forever. So I slowly let up. and. I I think I I still don't really know for sure, but I think when I let up, he kind of seen something. He never looked directly at me, but I think he caught something. He just knew something wasn't quite right, and so eventually he finally took that step to get to where I needed him, and I went to pull back. And that time he busted me, and he was out of there. But man, I was close close to sticking too but anyway he ran off and that was the end of that and by that point I knew I had to get that doe taken care of and I remember Eric he was the first one I called you know and I, I called him while I was on the blood trail I mean we were talking about it as I was trailing her and she, she didn't go far and I did have a problem finding her though because she had dove off into that frag mighty and I'd walked right past her numerous times like within feet of her could not see her um i was kind of scratching my head there for a while but yeah i ended up finding her and it was all good and i mean it was a, it was just 
mid body to tie and tight right up the shoulder, perfect double on shot. That was that was one of the coolest hunts I'd had in a long time. Um, it's really got me thinking about how I'm going to tackle stuff this upcoming fall. I'm, I think I'm going to change some of my tactics a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's really about it. Um, ready ready for turkey season. I just just uh, here a couple weeks ago finished up another bow. Um, I think this one shooting a little bit better than the last one and ready to go chasing turkeys with it and cross a turkey off with the self bow. Hopefully we will see. Time will tell. Yeah, man. No, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. I, I enjoy, uh, enjoy watching all your Instagram stuff and I don't know, just, uh, I just think that's pretty neat. I mean, to take just take a piece of wood and make a bow out of it. I don't know. Just something that it is. It's crazy, and I I know it it ain't for everybody. And and honestly, I think that to myself all the time. I I still got my madness. I still got my adrenaline. It's still hanging up. I haven't pulled it back for a few years now. Um. But I think about it all the time. It's like, why am I putting myself through this? <laughs> but it's just, some, I, number one, to be a bow hunter, you are already subjecting yourself to, to, I mean, just harsh standards. I mean, I, I honestly don't know what intrigues me about it. It's just... It's just a challenge. I mean, bow hunting is a challenge in itself. And for whatever rhyme or reason, some people's challenge is shooting six-year-old deer. Um, my challenge is trying to shoot them with a stick bow. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I really question the route I took on that, but... It's 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 pretty addicting for sure. I I don't see going back anytime soon anymore. Hey, Oren. Yeah. When uh, you decided to switch to uh, you know making your own self bows, getting away from your compound, did you get tired of shooting those hundred and seventy inch white tail you have hanging on the wall behind you? <laughs> Is that what switched you over? <laughs> well, yes and no. So. I knew that I would never shoot one of those again. So I figured at least if I was shooting self bows, I had a valid excuse why I wasn't getting it done. <laughs> I need to find my excuse, apparently. <laughs> well, we just need to shoot 170 inch deer, Jake, and then we can start making our own bows. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I'll tell you I'll tell you one might be a while for me. <laughs> it, it, in all honesty, that doe that I shot meant man, it meant about as much to me as that 170 inch white tail. It's as silly as that sounds. I mean that's that's the truth for me personally. Well that's pretty amazing to uh go out to your garage and whittle down a log into a bow and go shoot a deer with it. That's pretty cool. 
I told you, I got to stay with your name on it. If you get down here, we'll make you one. Well, I'm, you know, yeah, someday I'll get there. <laughs> we're going to get right now, in here. We're going to, we're going to take a, we're going to make a cedar self bow here one of these days, Orby. That's what we yeah. We'll you you let me know. Um, yeah, I haven't done one. I, 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 I mean, I know a little bit about them. There will be a learning curve, but we can sure try to get it done. Well, it's the, the good part about it is I've got plenty of trees. So um, it, it might take plenty of trees. I, I do know this, Kyle. So Osage is pretty forgiving. Yeah. Um, if you mess up with Osage, um, it'll, it'll let you know that you messed up. Cedar doesn't do that. Cedar will say, yeah, I'm good, and then you blink, and it just blows up. Um, so we'll, we'll see, but we'll get her figured out. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I've only got about like 5 million trees out there we can choose <laughs> probably. So I think we can probably find a few. So <laughs> let me know. We'll do her. Yep. Yep. No, that sounds good. <clears throat> Eric, it's your turn. How was your fall, buddy? I know you, did you get, uh, what, just tell us about your fall. just want to hear. I know you've been busy, you've been working, you've been uh, butchering some hogs, you've been doing all sorts of stuff, but what's been going on with you? Well, you pretty much covered it, so we'll move to Zach. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I guess first off, can you hear me all right? Is my connection okay? Yeah, it sounds okay right now. Yep. All right. No, I, uh, I didn't, I've had it pretty rough on top of, well, I've taken on kind of a couple new ventures and been really busy with that. But on top of that, I've, uh, been out a few times, really honestly had a couple encounters with does, uh, didn't really I guess I passed on one, hoping for my kind of, you know, shot and missed, but it was a long shot, you know, whatever you want to say there. But honestly, I just, I have not seen the deer this year on the place I hunt when I have been out. And uh, I kind of come to find out here toward the end, talking with the landowner that I think it's been hit really hard with EHD, not trying to make excuses, but that kind of made me feel better because <laughs> I just, seemed like every time every time uh i went out i just i was not seeing what i normally saw and uh it's been a pretty rough fall for me on the hunting end as far as deer go. Times we saw a few deer, uh, no luck, kind of like what Orby talked about. But they had fun and and uh, <laughs> hoping for better luck next year, hoping for better deer numbers. To be honest with you, sorry, 
you're talking really slow there. You're you're cutting out just a little bit, but it was entertaining. That'll go on the podcast for sure. So <laughs> <laughs> great. It's, there speak. was a few deer. <laughs> so yeah, I the, the service out here is not good. So no, it's all good, man. We yeah, but you know, I some falls are like that. Sometimes you you know. I remember in uh, not not to interrupt you, buddy, but I was just thinking you were talking, and I think it was 2015. No, yeah, 2015. I was. Let's see, I was doing a rotation. I was in residency doing a rotation in Valentine. I was all pumped because I was going to be in Valentine in November and December. So I'm thinking, man, I can run over to the ranch all the time, like this will be great, you know, and, and, uh, <clears throat> yeah, man, I think I probably hunted harder that year than I have ever in my whole life. And I think I went, I think a dozen sits in a row and never even saw a deer. <laughs> and like, it's just like, yeah, pretty crazy. But I mean, some years are just like that. It just kind of, kind of is what it is, I guess. So, so yep. but. do you mean to tell me it's not like, the outdoor channel where there's a booner behind every tree. Yeah, it turns out that's not the case unless you go to Iowa, then that <laughs> might be the case. But <laughs> I don't yeah. need I don't need to harp on that again, but my goodness gracious. But if you haven't read my MBA article, go read that. But man, that was uh, something else. But hey, not not to cut everybody off there but i know eric just hit on this um deer numbers being down yeah. i know so so where where i did a lot of hunting this year i've hunted for for a handful of years and it's always been pretty high numbers of deer this year it was it was crazy i mean it's it's just like there was nothing it's the it's it's i don't even know i don't know why i don't know what to chalk it up to um it's not because of hunting pressure i know that and they were just gone it's it's like it was like ever since summer it's like they just never showed up because i've been running cameras since like july there they just weren't there did, did you see anything like that kyle or jake or zach yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the weird thing I'll tell you, Orby. So here's the thing, like, so, I mean, I got, I don't have a, I mean, I'm not, I don't run 30 cameras or whatever, you know, but I got like four cameras out on our place. And the weird thing was I would, I mean, I've got pictures of, I mean, all the bucks that I had in the summer through basically December. Okay. But I mean, when I was out there hunting, I hardly ever saw anything. I mean, it was like I don't know what I don't know what they were doing, but <laughs> but they weren't moving and they weren't. I just it was bizarre. I don't know. I've never seen it. Just really, really weird. Like I don't know. It, yeah, it's. I know it was weird. Weird where I'm at. So you know, I I'd had bucks that I have had for for a few years now. I mean, they've been there. Um, 
maybe the neighbors got them all. I can't hardly believe that. Uh, but you never know. I can't rule it out. But I didn't get a single picture of a buck this year that was there last year. Hmm. And that's it, yeah, it's very rare for this place. Yeah. Um, it's almost like it was starting all over fresh. I, it, it's, it was just weird. And, you know, obviously, I think a lot of people know. I, I've heard a lot of reports of the numbers being down. Me personally, I seen it where where I'm hunting at. They just weren't there. I mean, just the numbers in general. It almost seems like that's when you hear people all across the state say that, and around Atkinson here, the uh, neighbor by my father-in-law's usually will sit out there and count 150 deer at night in December or January, and I don't think I've counted more than 60 at a time this year mm-hmm. but uh a rancher up by north of o'neill he's telling me he's never seen more deer on his property ever than this year and a, a place that i got invited to hunt up on by south dakota just crawling with deer so it's i, I think a lot of the state seems affected by it there's still regions that are just that guy just fine, doing great said, that guy that said that he's seen more than ever did you say that was north of o'neill yeah north of o'neill do you do you have his you got his contact information <laughs> yeah let uh, get a pen of paper ready here's his name uh, it sounds like those guys are uh they used to do a lot of big time deer management and they they quit doing that kind of got away from it and just shoot anything and you think their deer numbers would go down but they've just been going up and up and up where everybody else is struggling i i I sat probably eight times before i saw a single buck this year yeah yeah i don't know it's crazy so no obviously i've heard a lot of reports of low numbers um i don't know what to chalk that up to Halfway through the season, I had noticed, well, it was before that, I guess. I had noticed that the numbers on my place were down. And I know I mentioned this when I was talking about that doe that I shot. This place is littered with Fragmite. And if you're not stepping on them, you ain't going to see them. And I thought, man, maybe it's EHD. I mean, I hadn't seen, you know, I hadn't found any dead deer. But that being said, there could have been a hundred dead deer laying in a section and you wouldn't see them. You know, I mean, you'd literally have to step on them. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if anybody's got it figured out. I think you're right, Orby and Eric, too. Um, it sure seems like things are, and I know you said, Eric, too, they brought it up at the meeting. And, you know, the weird thing is, I don't, I haven't heard a lot of reports from people finding like a lot of dead deer which is odd to me um i will you know say you, what go ahead jake i i can say i i haven't heard much of that either but uh eric and i were were talking and <clears throat> he had mentioned that uh, a landowner he hunts, hunts on for bottom this fall and they found 15 deer in 
I don't know what the, the mileage was of riverfront they had, but they found 15 deer right along the riverbank. Oh, really? So there's, there's obviously deer dropping left and right in that same pattern of finding water, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that could be certainly part of it. I mean, it was dry for a while, but then we kind of had some timely rains towards the end of, you know, towards the end of July, August, September time frame. But I don't know. It's kind of a kind of weird. But I mean, the part that doesn't make any sense to me is that, like I said, I mean, most of those deer that I had on camera, at least the recognizable ones were there for, I mean, I've still got pictures of them in December, you know? So it's like, obviously they were there, but where were they, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Just that's, kind of... that's deer, Kyle. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're there until you got that bow in your hand. I'm going to say something too, and this is probably going to be, um, I don't know why I'm even bringing this up. This is probably a terrible thing to bring up right now, but. Um, I, I've been thinking about it and I was, I was talking to my brother-in-law. So <clears throat> I hunt on their place down South of Farnham, Nebraska. Um, so they're down in that, um, that mule deer conservation zone. Right. Um, which, and I don't know if you guys have ever, if you do much hunting down there or where, but, um, I mean, that has been a pretty remarkable, um, success from a standpoint of, uh, like, mule deer recovery um just from what i understand and from what i'm seeing granted it's a very small sample size um and maybe i am not seeing the whole picture but um we were talking uh <clears throat> just briefly and i just keep thinking about this but um and, I, and i'd be interested to hear what you guys think about this too because um you know there, there's a lot of mule deer out there um, and the mule deer, quite frankly, I mean, even since I've been hunting out there have, I would say, I wouldn't say exponentially increased, but certainly linearly increased. Um, and there's a lot of deer out there and I just, you know, I always just kind of wonder, you know, mm -hmm. what, what is the, what is the end goal? And when do you get to the point where, I mean, that's really close to Colorado. That's really close to CWD city. That's really close to all of those things that, you know, so anyways, I just, I, we were talking about that the other day. Cause I was just kind of like, you know, at what point do you say we have enough deer? Because I don't think you can accurately say that um, the landscape won't support basically as many deer as you want. Right. Cause I mean, they've got all the food they want pretty much. Um, and so it's just kind of like, I don't know. We were just talking about that the other day and we're talking about deer numbers. Cause I was thinking as you guys were talking, I've certainly noticed that with whitetails, but I mean, with mule deer, um, I've certainly seen almost the opposite effect, at least down in that part of the state of just there being a lot of mule deer. Um, I don't know. I don't know if anybody has any thoughts on that or, yeah so yeah I, I got a little bit so i had heard that up there around like the atkinson o'neill area like up where jake's at up there uh -huh. i heard that their mule deer recovery program up there is just unreal and if you want to kill a monster mule deer 
to contact Jake and he could probably <laughs> point Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, in the uh, three years we've lived here, I've seen one muley buck. So <clears throat> good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, Kyle, in all honesty, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I guess, you know, you got to break it down. Are you a trophy state or are you an opportunity state? Yeah. I think for a lot of years, Nebraska has been an opportunity state. I think that we still are an opportunity state. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is on that. I, I don't know what the end goal is. I know that hunting this last season, the numbers of deer that I seen were pretty, it was pretty depressing to say the least. Um, I, Man, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what this next year brings. It really will. I, I don't know. Yeah. And do you mean yeah. from a mule deer and whitetail perspective? Or yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I, um, so, yeah, I, I should have I clarified that. So, where I'm, where, what I'm mainly targeting is whitetails. That being said, um, I did go on a mule deer hunt this year. It is somewhere that I have – hunted mule deer before it is public ground i have had very good success there before when i say success i mean seeing numbers of deer not necessarily killing but seeing numbers of deer i've had good success there can i, I want to ask, that you, can I ask you a follow-up question to that orby yeah i don't think this will give anything away necessarily is this area in a mule deer conservation area it is not, no. Okay. Just, I just wanted to clarify that, but go ahead. <laughs> no, you're good. It is not. Um, so this year, I went to the exact same glassing hill that I have been at before and seen, man, hardly anything. Um, maybe one-tenth of the deer that I have seen before maybe not even that that might be being pretty generous why I don't know it like I said it is public ground maybe it is due to pressure I can't hardly believe it what I mean I was glassing this stuff before our trade season even opened so it couldn't have been hunting pressure yeah. Um, I know there is not that many people in there glassing it just to glass it. I don't know. I don't have an answer, but they weren't there this year for whatever rhyme or reason. Maybe they okay. maybe they just moved on. Maybe they're just not there. I don't know. I've got a question for you, Oren. And for you too, Kyle. In those areas, <clears throat> have you seen whitetail numbers? fluctuate along with the muley numbers up and down so i can only speak and again this is a very small sample size so i'm just gonna preface that by saying this is my experience and my experience only in a defined area okay um in southwestern nebraska <laughs> um, but i would say since i have been hunting out there I would say the whitetail numbers have 
virtually gone to zero and mm-hmm. the mule deer numbers have gone up since then. Um, and that is, I think since they implemented that kind of the mule deer or whatever, but that's just on, like I said, the place that I've been hunting. Um, yeah, I don't know that that's, that's, that's just what I've seen, but. That's kind of what I was getting at. Um, my family lived in Eastern Colorado before I was ever born. Was pretty much a trophy mule deer unit. They, uh, I've seen a picture of my dad were with one con- of his friends. Were you conceived in Eastern Colorado, Jake? I unfortunately know that I was. Because that would answer, that would make a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> and now you know everything. You know all the why behind it all. <laughs> no, but in, in that part of the state, I mean, it was, granted this was back in the 80s, every year you would see absolute giant muleys killed. And when I was, I think, 16, I finally drew a tag out there and I went out with my dad. And for every muley we saw, I bet every muley buck, we probably saw 15 whitetail bucks. So it seems like a whitetail moves into an area, that population just explodes and the muleys just dwindle, move out. They're kind of in adverse of each other. One goes up, one goes down. So, so I, I like know it. where I was at this year. I did see a few more whitetails than what I would say I normally do. But, not, I mean, and, I, and I'm not talking specifically bucks. I'm just talking deer in general. I did see a few more whitetails than normal. But nothing, you know, no alarming numbers by any means. Nothing that really caught my attention. Yeah. So the that deer farm didn't have many whitetails this year. No, they were they were like clear out in the west pasture, and I I never really made it up there. <laughs> Too far to walk. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know. I just I, I, it's just an interesting it's a, it's an interesting topic to discuss, and I don't know. I. I've had too many conversations with my, with my brother-in-law here lately, just talking about that. And cause you know, I just, you know, you, you I just kind of wonder, I mean, obviously it's not a, cons- this is just, a, again, this is just my own experience and in a very specific area. Um, but I really do think that it does seem like in that area that that mule deer conservation stuff has worked um, very well. Um, and so it's just kind of like, yeah, where, you know, what, at what point do you say enough's enough? When do you go back to this kind of routine stuff or what? I don't know what the answer is, but this is kind of a, because yeah, I mean, do you want, I mean, how many deer do you want on the landscape? I mean, obviously as a hunter, we always want more, but you know, at the same time, it's like, that's going to increase disease transmission and all the other things that go along with that. And, um. I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is, but just some interesting food for thought. I don't, I don't think there is any right answer, Kyle. Yeah. Um, everybody's going to have their own opinions on the right answer and none of them are going to be right. It's, it kind of goes back to what I said. Are we an opportunity state or are we a trophy state? 
Yeah. And I, I don't know the answer to that. I think I know what the state wants Nebraska to be. I might be wrong on that. Um, I, I don't know. You talk to a landowner and they might have a, more than likely, they're going to have a different answer on that question than somebody like the rest of us that are hunting public ground or knocking on doors. There's a lot of landowners around. I mean, everybody knows there is very slim pickings for public ground in Nebraska. You talk to most bow hunters, they're going to want more deer numbers. I would, I would like to think. I might be wrong on that. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. If they do have, if they do have a goal in mind as far as deer numbers, where did that number come from? Are they looking back at numbers they saw in the 80s? Are they estimating what they were 100 years ago, 200 years ago? I mean, if you have a unit, you know, down around uh, Farnham, are they looking at what that landscape held 200 years ago? Was it primarily all mule deer and very few whitetail? If that's the case, then I would assume they would keep up that that management program yeah i don't even know i mean i ain't no biologist so i shouldn't even say this but i don't even know if you can you can even compare those numbers the landscape has changed so much agriculture has changed so much since then you're comparing apples and oranges i would think now maybe southwest nebraska in particular maybe that hasn't changed quite as much as the rest of the state, but we all know the rest of the state has changed a lot, just mainly as far as agriculture and landscape goes. There's a lot less cover and a lot more pivots. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, I think it's interesting because my, my brother-in-law tells me he's always like when he was, a, you know, in a school age, you know, in school age, whatever, and this is, you know, 15, 20 years ago, <clears throat> on the bus route, you know, he'd see 60 to a hundred mule deer on the way to school, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, he said, and then he said 10 years after that, he hardly saw any. And then, you know, here within the last five to 10 years, since they kind of implemented that program, it seems like they've come back and whitetail numbers have gone down. And I don't know. It just, like I said, I don't know how, I guess we got into this because we were talking about deer numbers, but I just thought it was in kind of an interesting observation. And I don't know what the hell is going on with the whitetails, but <laughs> that's just all I know about the mule deer. <laughs> but, but, uh, and that's, again, that's just a very small sample size. I'm not seeing the whole country. Yeah. And, and not to keep beating this dead horse, but I, I would like to know, a, a good answer on the whitetails because I have heard it from numerous people. I mean, locally and across the state, both um, people having the same reports I have. It's like their deer are just gone. And same thing, nobody's finding dead deer that I have spoke to personally. Nobody said, "Oh yeah, I found none." I, I had no, nobody's told me they're finding dead deer. But everybody's saying their numbers are down. Well, what? Where'd they go? 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. I mean, I remember in 2012 and 2013 when we had those two years. Um, I mean, I, I found, I personally found myself uh, three. Well, I mean, more actually, three that I remember because those were, you know, big giant bucks. Um, but I mean, there was just on my on our place, which is you know not that big, but I can't remember five, at least five or six dead deer that year that I found. So you have to figure if I found those, how many more were there? Um, and this year I haven't found a single one. So I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's my point. I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. Well, yeah, guys, I know it's getting late here, and I don't know if anybody else has to work tomorrow or not, but Zach, you got to work tomorrow down in old Arizona there, buddy. 7 a.m. Oh, man. But it's only 8.50 there, though, isn't it? 9.50 here. Oh, is it only one-hour difference? All right. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm off at 1 on Fridays, though, so it's not terrible. Man. I want maybe those hours. I, I got to be up at four o'clock. Dang, Warby. <laughs> How do you do that? I, 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 I have to set like four alarm clocks. That's how I do it. Well, you get off at two, so get over it. No. I, <laughs> by, by that time, I'm ready for a nap. The problem <laughs> is my one-year-old and four-year-old don't let that happen. Yeah, things change when you have kids. Yeah. Take an afternoon snooze. You'll you'll find out just I know, I was gonna say that's how I usually solve things, just take a little quick snooze, but there's a day coming probably that ain't gonna happen anymore. So I tried it this has nothing to do with bow hunting. So I got home this afternoon. I was pretty tired. My one year old had just laid down for a nap, so I'm like, this is my chance to get a nap which rarely happens so i went and laid down in bed my four-year-old comes in and he's like i want to lay here with you i'm like whatever he's like can i watch tv i'm like i'm going to put it on volume one so pretty much mute and i'm like if you can stand that you can watch it i don't care he's like okay so my four-year-old, he has this thing, and I haven't quite figured out why it is, but he makes noises like a 95-year-old man. <laughs> he cannot go four or five seconds without grunting or clearing his throat or sneezing or burping or farting. <laughs> so after 30 minutes of laying there trying to take a nap, I finally said, no, nope, this ain't going to happen. And I finally just got up and just kept on with my day. It sounds just like a tip off the old block. No, I don't even make old. No, no you don't understand. It's <laughs> you. Would, if you just had audio of his life, you would think he was in a nursing home. <laughs> and he's four. shoot i was gonna say does he know my buddy neil but you guys know neil but 
he makes a lot of noises too. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's something. I I, I don't hope, know. I hope he listens to this too. That'd be great. But anyways, well, guys, I suppose let's. Uh, anybody have anything else? I know we've talked about a lot of stuff, and and uh, yeah. Sometimes maybe a lot of nothing, but that's great. That's all right. I have a feeling that there might be more conversations like these when we get together at the banquet. There's a lot of nonsense going on late yeah. into the night. But that's what uh that's what these are for. You don't get to get together and talk very often like this, so just get to talk about whatever when you do. Absolutely. Anyways, Eric, Jake, Orby, you guys got anything else? Not, I'm, I'm good, man. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. I know you had to kind of dig to the bottom to <laughs> wrangle us back on here, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully somebody gets something out of it. So yeah, you know. I had to turn the barrel over like three times, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I would, but my audio sucks. So I just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was good there, bud. It was good. <laughs> good and entertaining. Oh, great. I'm glad. We <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, yeah. appreciate you guys taking time out of your night, too, to come on here. I know it's not always easy to make time to do stuff like this. So, Yeah, no. Well, thanks. thanks for doing it. It's not easy to be the host of it, either. Yeah, thank well, you. I usually just ramble on about nonsense and then throw in random tidbits once in a while. and. And then Zach bails me out. That's usually how this goes. I don't know about that. <laughs> but, yeah. No, thank you guys, though. I do appreciate it for sure. So, so yeah. Well, let's, uh, I guess, end this podcast, Zach, huh? So, this is Kyle Palmer. And this is Zach Welch. And this is? The Good Life Bowhunter, official podcast of the NBA. We'll see you later, guys. <laughs>